0: Season number two. Woo woo! Woo woo! Tracy, tell us about our guest
1: tonight. I am so excited to introduce to you two, two of my very good friends, Javon Johnson of the Oval. Uh, of the o- <laughs> BETs. <laughs> BETs. Hit! Hit! Hit. The Oval. He's also a writer, producer, director, acting coach extraordinaire. So we are so excited to have him here. And I'm Javon. Also- welcome to Three Plus <laughs> One Podcast, yeah, my brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm also excited to introduce to you a very good friend of mine, Sharon Brathwaite, who is also an actor, producer, writer. Amazing. Yes. Yeah, so we are excited to have the two guests here. Too. Stunning
0: talents on this week's yes. episode. This is huge. What a great way, Tracy, for us to conclude. 2019 the year that brought us together yes i'm so excited and push the evolution <laughs> of the podcast welcome sharon to our show thank whoop,
1: whoop. you thank you for having me thank you this is exciting so yeah
0: we're so excited to have you and so we're gonna just jump right in and we're gonna start off with javon uh, and we're gonna have some questions for both of you mm-hmm. starting off with you if you could tell us just a little bit about what made you how did you know that acting was your calling in life
2: uh, I didn't know. I, I thought that I would do your... you know, I dealt with uh, football, high school sports. I felt like I was going to go that route. Uh, started to get recruited for collegiate football. And uh, went through a couple of recruiting camps and realized that, man, if I... In four years, if I actually made it to the NFL, Ray Lewis would be waiting on me and Lavar Harrington would be waiting oh, on wow. me. Wow. And I was like, James, I don't know if I want to... And I was a wide receiver. And I was like, I don't know if I want to spend the next 10 years mm-hmm. you avoided Every that Sunday, CTE getting my you know being a target get my head taken off mm-hmm. so I realized at that point I didn't like the sport for the sport I liked the sport for playing with the people I grew up with and it was and that was the camaraderie of it and I was like oh I don't really love this sport as an athlete so um, oh, wow. I had a choir teacher in high school who saw something in me that I didn't see in me and said you're going to go to school and uh, most people in my family uh, particularly my mother's side were not collegiate and we didn't have higher education and so that wasn't an aspect of mine. It wasn't it wasn't something that was on my radar. And she forced me. She said, "You're going to go to school and I'm going to get you a scholarship." And she got me a choir scholarship. And I do not sing. Oh, I, that was not the point. So the point when did was you to the scholarship get you in school too at Sacramento State University. Wow. So she had a relationship with the, the music department chairman over there, and they said, "You know, she got me a scholarship." So that that's what got me to college. But wow. the theater building was right next door to the music the building. But the theater building was this big, massive building. In the middle of the um, arts department over there. And so every day, I would walk by this big building wondering what was inside of it. And uh, long story short, one day I went in and became the, the president of the theater. And this kept, kept, got, got my scholarship switched over to theater. Wow. And uh, just. The rest is history. The rest is history. The rest
0: is history. And so, what was your very first, you know, role that you would consider to be your big break? My big break. Pop.
2: <laughs> Pop and ah. This is the best. You know, it's funny, man, because I don't know. Uh, I mean, at this point, I guess the the, the most impactful role has been Richard Holson on the Oval. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because you can't deny that, that Tyler's platform is international at this point. Yeah. So, um, in terms of getting a global recognition for being an artist, um, I would say that is a big break, but I measure big breaks in different ways throughout my career, throughout this journey. So there's Mm -hmm. several big breaks that maybe seem small to other people, Mm -hmm. but they're big breaks in terms of my development and my goals in terms of getting to where I wanna be. So there's been a lot of big breaks along the way. What Um, about Barbershop? Give us two, give us two of those (laughs) breaks, because let me tell you something. You know, our
0: podcast is aimed at so many of our millennial listeners out Mm -hmm. there. There, These are young people who, and as we all know, being Xennials, being a little bit older, when you're young, everything looks so big. It looks so insurmountable, and so, and you oftentimes can take for granted those small steps along the way on the journey. So, just give us two of those well, small steps to get to this huge role, because this show is is really blowing up. It, it yeah. gets yeah. it's getting really great ratings. Is, is becoming a flagship for BET it's kind right. of like in some ways to be honest I mean if I can say this and this is no knock on BET but the resurgence mm-hmm. of that network yeah, is, the, is yeah. what the Oval and sisters they're bringing and what Tyler Perry is bringing to their network is really helping to turn that network around and helping them rebrand themselves as being truly competitive in the entertainment industry for television and absolutely. that's something they haven't had on BET sadly mm-hmm. in a long
2: time absolutely, absolutely. I definitely think that Tyler, Tyler's presence and and um, you know, joining with BET is, is is massive to the researchers of BET, as you said. Um, that's why they brought him on. They yeah, that's him right. To
1: do what they what he did for OWN. Yeah. You know, right. that's absolutely. right. Because yeah. I know
2: personally, I I had not been watching BET since the nineties. Oh yeah. wow! And so yeah. when that came like yeah. around, I was like, oh, I can go, I could pay attention to BET again. Uh, but in terms of my my perception of success and big breaks, um, it's about keeping things in perspective in this business, man. Once, once you get caught up in the hype of what things appear to be, you get lost in the chaos of that. You can get caught lost in the madness of it. So you can look at big breaks superficially and be like, a big break is only identified as something that's, you know, stardom and blah, blah, blah. Or you look at big breaks as developments that prepare you to have a long longevity in a career where you have a, you have a, you, have a, you have, 20, 30 years in this business versus, you know, there's a lot of people who have big breaks mm-hmm. and they were one hit wonders. Yeah. So big breaks don't amount to anything if you haven't developed something to build a career off of. So um, those little things are the things that matter more more so than those major, you know, uh, big breaks that just pop out at you. Mm. A lot of people don't know
1: how you really began. I do. <laughs> um, I was able to meet you in Chicago way back in like 2006, 2007. Um, talk to us a little bit about your Being a founding ensemble member at Congo Square Theater Company in Chicago and how that journey from doing theater at a smaller African-American theater and then journeying over to regional theater, doing Mm -hmm. some Broadway. Mm -hmm. Uh, You you knew August Wilson personally. Um, And then now how that journey
2: helped you to become who you are. I, I, I would classify being a founding ensemble member of Congo Square Theatre Company as a big break. Wow. And the reason why is because that was a thing which uh, nine uh, young African Americans coming out of graduate programs, separated by one or two degrees of separation, who decided to take their destiny in their own hands. So, so it, was, it was a matter of whether you come out of, you've you got these degrees, you've, you've trained, and you go out there and you either knock on the door or you create your own door. And we say, you know what? We believe in the brand. We believe in what we have. Uh, We can create our own opportunities. So that, in essence, to me, is a big break because that propelled everybody else, even Tracy, to the point where she is in her career. Um, So, and and on top of that, you can't beat the opportunity to do quality work and to work with genuine artists uh, because a lot of time in the industry, you're not going to have that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that in itself is constant growth. And this business is all about... Constant growth, constant learning. You're never going to get to the end of learning something about the art. The art is is boundless. It's always transformative. It's always evolving. So if you're not in a state of being a sponge Mm -hmm. and growing with it, Mm -hmm. then you get left behind. But, yeah. Sharon,
0: so tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to the industry.
1: My background, well, you know, it's, I always wanted to be in entertainment. Um, I was a little ham when I was a kid, but um my nice. family's West Indian. And um they don't play. So they, when you say West, West Indian, Indian,
0: you're saying Trinidad. or... I was in my
1: mom's from Jamaica, my dad's from Barbados. Oh wow, so, wow okay. And education is everything. Mm-hmm. And um even though I showed I, I grew up in New York, so I grew up I'm a theater. Baby, like I love the theater. I grew up doing theater and musical theater, mm-hmm. but my mom was like, You know, that's not a career, right? So no. <laughs> she wasn't playing that. So it's like, She wanted to be a, me to be a nurse, but because she was a nurse, because most Jamaicans are nurses. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I didn't have the. Um, uh, Sciences was not my thing.
0: It wasn't so, your it, it, wasn't it wasn't your like, calling. It just wasn't what God meant for be.
1: It was not meant for me, but I went and did, I went and got my college degree. I did what I was supposed to do, quote unquote. Um, got a history political science degree at HBCU Virginia University alright HBCU well, yeah <laughs> and then I'm Econ but then there was a theater program there and I got that bug I got that itch and then I did a play called Living Fat and um, and then I did Raising the Sun there what role? and uh, Benita oh
0: mm. yeah and uh, the I first am. woke sister in of theater yeah, yeah. she the was woke because yeah. the people were woke
1: yeah <laughs> And um, But it's funny because even before that, I went to home school, the yards. My mom made sure we were well-rounded and played the piano, did ballet, all that. But that was to keep you well-rounded. That wasn't a career. Mm. So I went to um, college. I actually took the LSAT for to go to law school. I interned at the house in, the center, in Richmond, all that. And then actually got accepted to a school. And I was like, oh, let me just take a little break. Went back home to New York and did a gig there and then fell back in love with with entertainment mm-hmm. and i i said my mom said like, you know i'm just gonna take a year off you know to pursue it and never went back she's still waiting for me to go back to law school but <laughs> i'm not <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that crazy my mom made me take the lsat too yeah. i took it got into a school and was like yeah this is not what i want to do though the thing is, i went i went to um what i did was even on the time off i was working at a law firm in new york as um like an assistant kind of paralegal situation and I was like, I don't want it. I don't like it. Yeah. And then you know I was in New York, so I did a little off Broadway play, and then it was mm-hmm. it was a wrap.
0: This is you know this is a great moment to have the three of you together, and to have you know people who really know this business well know the industry well combine. And one thing that is a unique, um, I guess, shared trait is that all three of you went to HBCUs, yeah. and so that is something I want to just briefly touch on. Do you recommend that? For any young person out there who may be considering uh, their college journey and they want to go into the industry, do you feel as though our HBCUs are well equipped to prepare them for what will come next in the industry?
1: Absolutely. The the, the thing is, what a people don't understand is all of your great leaders and mm-hmm. um, educators and people in politics and all these great doctors and lawyers came from HBCUs. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's amazing that people undercut it when these some of these the most brilliant. Um break um breakthrough people uh, ever and they came from these schools. The history yeah, right. is amazing. The education is amazing, and the usually what what's great about these schools is the the um alumni yeah. is so supportive. So you have a family mm-hmm. um with these schools, and it, I it, think for in me, it yeah. taught me survival. Mm. You know, we didn't have the funds and resources right. that our. PWIs had you know because I went to grad school at a PWI and we had everything and when a computer lab would go down or a computer or something would go down those kids would freak out and I'd be like you freaking out computers we didn't have computers we stood in line to sign up for classes what are you talking about it just taught me how to survive and learn how to be more resourceful that was my experience at Mm -hmm. being at an HBCU and that was my introduction to August Wilson, you mm. know, and other black playwrights, uh, Chad Bozeman. That was my introduct- introduction to him as a playwright. Mm. You know, I didn't know he was an actor. I just knew him as a playwright and a spoken word artist. Mm. Um, another guy who went to an HBCU. So for me, that was my introduction to black theater and and doing theater for us by us. So, and doing it in a real guerrilla way. Like, I was the sound lighting designer and the stage manager <laughs> at the true, same true. time. Very true. You know? You do learn survival. Yeah. You do learn your own because, and it's a great um, 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 learning tool because this, this business you have to survive. It's a hard business. Mm -hmm. You have to love it because there are so many peaks and valleys and and there are really a lot of lean times. There are a lot of lean Mm -hmm. times in between the high times and you got to learn to survive and I think HBCUs teach you that.
0: So what do you mean in the lean times? I think that you hit on another really great point to mm -hmm. share with our listeners. What do you mean when you say the lean times?
1: Everyone in entertainment, whether they're a studio exec or an extra, all the way between and through, are on a temporary job. Yeah. You're on a roller coaster. No one's job is secure. Whether you're an actor on a series, you could be on a series regular for like three years, and they go, "You know what? We're gonna cut your role. We're you gonna know kill we, you off. We, we canceled, and you went from making one hundred fifty thousand dollars a week to nothing. Yeah. You know, studio execs. You can have some kind of scandal, or someone just wants to push you out, or whatever. Yeah. Your money is done. Yeah. It's all on a temporary basis. Nothing is secure in this business, and that's what's rough about it. You know, you have a certain kind of a kind of job security in more traditional, um, you know, roles in um, in, uh, in employment, but everything is temporary in uh, yeah. in entertainment. It's, it's it's tough. So, in those lean times, both of you, this question is for both of you. What do you suggest an artist do? What kind of other job <laughs> you know what other hustles do we need to have in order to get us through those times where we're in transition
2: my, my personal philosophy because I, I start a lot of my stuff with philosophies mm-hmm. so you have a starting a framing point to really make sound specific decisions and my philosophy in that is always find something so, to subsidize yourself financially that is still keeping you in the realm of being an artist mm. and part of being able to do that is first humble yourself because if you don't humble yourself, then you can't say, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and work on Tracy Bonner's project as a, as a producer or as a director or, as a PA. or, or yeah. whatever, but I'm not going to do that because I was on this series and what I look like, I'm, not, I'm beyond that. Yeah. But what you do is you take yourself out of the realm of being an artist yeah. because I can go over there mm-hmm. and still be an artist, make some money to, to take care of whatever bills I need, the, the, the basic living expenses. And keep things moving and stay in that artistry. It's part of also why I teach. wanting to to help other people grow. But in teaching, I'm feeding myself as an artist. I'm also learning in that process. So I do five different facets mm-hmm. of being creative. Yeah, yeah, So that within those five things, hopefully they keep me out of corporate America. Hopefully they keep me out of the industrial plants. Hopefully they keep me out of the, the thing that takes me so far out of who I am in my spirit that then I become depressed. Mm-hmm. I become resentful. I become... Bitter, um, yeah, bitter, <laughs> and that's the part you gotta manage in your life in terms of being in this industry. How do you keep one foot in mm-hmm. enough to maintain your spirit and take care of your your, your mental health, mm-hmm. so that you don't get to that place of you know feeling like you know going to give up and I'm not working. I'm like, no, I'm always working. Yeah. I'm not always working as an actor, but I'm working as a writer. I'm working as a director, I'm working as an acting teacher, or mm-hmm. uh, 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 I'm doing workshops and seminars, I'm always working as an artist.
1: And what the yes. key, a part of the key, what Javon was saying, is relationships is everything in this business. Mm-hmm. Because the person that you meet on this project here, like you said, you I went to work with my homegirl, and she needed a PA, and I was running around, but while I was on set, I met somebody who's a writer. And that writer was like, oh, you know, I your friend, they were really good, can they do this, can they do that? So relationships are everything, because you never know, and that's the thing, you never know when you're on a set who you're around because the person people like to look down on someone who's an extra or a pa but that's just their Mm -hmm. temporary gig right there you don't know that they're in the the lab writing a you know Mm -hmm. play writing a movie writing a tv show and they're going to remember you good or bad you know i remember that person they would really go you oh you become in a room again like oh i remember you remember oh yeah yeah and they like you relationships are everything some people have a long career based on relationships because their their friend is like you know i am going to work with my people Absolutely. I want to work with all my people. You know, Adam, um, um, Adam Sandler's um, famous for that. George Clooney's famous for yeah. that. They call in their people. Now you're seeing it with like Shonda Rhimes. You're seeing it with That's Avery Renee. Right. Mm-hmm. They call That's in right. their people. And people want to pe- work people people. Like, but people will call. You know what? I worked with them 15 years ago and they were just a hustling PA and they had a mm-hmm. really, really good work ethic. I want to work with them. I got a call, yeah. call
2: from um, about a project in Baltimore this person who called me, I had not spoken to, connected with for 10 years. Wow.
1: wow. But they were And married. I
2: said, Why did you call me? They said, I always, you've always been a great person, and, and you super talented. And I always wanted to work with you. 10 years. Yeah. No contact. So your attitude is huge. Yeah, you 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 know even
1: if you are depressed get down you know how you are around other people people remember people we don't remember what you say to make how you make remember how you make them feel. Yeah, and they remember and people like I don't want to work around that crazy person. Yeah, oh, I don't want that mean person that nasty person that ungrateful that you know. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. it spreads. Yeah. yeah, you want good energy. And then going back to survival stuff, um, like you know whatever you know like Javon said whether you're writing whether you're gonna do. Little odd jobs would stay in the industry some kind of way. You know, if you're going to be a PA, you'd be an assistant to somebody. But you're still, even if you're an assistant to an actor or a director, right? You're still on set. The key is making relationships mm-hmm. because someone will say, "Oh, that person used to work for you was just so great," mm-hmm. and they only think, "Well, I'm just a lonely assistant." It's all putting in work. It's all making relationships, and it's all getting it. And you, experience. I know.
0: think no matter the job, you're learning. You're in learning. The, every experience, you're learning. So mm-hmm. regardless of what role you have or what. Your position isn't an opportunity, it's an opportunity to to learn.
1: And I became a producer because I started as a researcher on a show. I they needed they needed an assistant. The show was called Planet's Funniest Animals. Okay? (laughs) Yeah, like on on Animal Planet. (laughs) And I became a researcher and they liked me so much and I was the only black person there. They then moved me up to assistant associate producer and then wow. and, and, um, um segment producer. And I came up in the ranks in this place where I started as a researcher. But I could have come to town like I'm not meant to do that. I mm-hmm. need to do more. I'm like, no, I need to pay my bills. Yeah. But I was still in the industry, I would still be able to go to other sets they were having and watch the director work, watch the how the out you know the, the show was being made, and then working my way all the way up to, you know, producer and senior producer and going on, to, and then my next job after that was one of the guys who worked with my friend needs producers on the show I sent my, your info to him that's how I got the job mm. I uh, barely even had to interview because his relationship with that next person got me in the door and got me the job yeah wow um, is it true Javon that one of the PAs from who from Tyler Perry Studios wrote the Oval is, is that what happened I, I haven't heard that well that that's what was rumored. So I didn't know. Yeah, it's my first time. It'll be it'd be great if it if it's if true. Yeah, that's the, such a motivational story. There's yes. a young lady who wrote who, the Oval, who, who wrote the Oval uh, or, came up with the or idea. Sisters mm-hmm. It was one of those shows oh, maybe And us. she was a PA and he she Well, I the the same so, thing what
2: I do know is the sisters situation where Tyler uh, in conversation with PA uh, maybe one or two of them Ooh, their life was so interesting as single as, as black mm. women that mm-hmm. yeah, he then made them producers on the show so they can be creatively involved. Maybe it. that's what it is. Yeah, so I got it. But see, look at look at but, how but that, that came from them being PAs and, and, and Tyler having a relationship and opportunities to talk with Tyler and Tyler realized okay, there's something here. And not only mm-hmm. that, now you're gonna become producers on, on your first TV series Look at that.
1: And then one thing I want to say, even about you know the young generation, which is where I mean they have so many opportunities mm. that we didn't have. Mm-hmm. I mean this the social media outlet is mm. huge. So if you want to talk about, you know, how would you do in the meantime? There's so many ways to even to make money in the social media world. You know what I mean? Whatever is your favorite thing to do, you know, these kids are sitting in their bedroom, yeah. you know, making a video and become popular and then they get a sponsor, and then they, they still have to, you still need to get your hustle on if that's what you choose to do. Yeah. If you are talking about, <laughs> you know, Makeup uh, make, tutorials. Make, make tutorials. If you're a DJ, you, you know you, start, uh, you still, do still, all you all still have to be proactive. Hey, yeah. Sephora, I'm doing this. Hey, can you can, can, can send me? Can you sponsor me? I, I'm gonna. I have so many listeners. I have so many viewers. I have so many people that, you know, that follow me. Yeah. You know, so there's so many ways to get your hustle on, just sitting right
0: in your room. Yeah. You know, right. Which is a great outlet for, for the next generation. If you have the hustle inside of you, you to, to push forward, you can't just sit here and wait for it to come and think that you deserve it, which is something I've noticed uh, with a number of millennials. One, we're getting ready to go into our topics, but before we go into our topics, you, st- you talked about being the only black person involved in your animal uh, planet work. Mm-hmm. How... Was that a tough adjustment coming from an HBCU for you, or did you not experience that?
1: I didn't experience it. I I think I just was in a a, a unique situation because my mom put me in situations from when I was younger. Even though I grew, I grew up in the South Bronx. I grew up Mm. around all black and um, Latino. Mm-hmm. but um we always traveled we always were around other races we all we went like in the in the in the summer we went to a place called like frost valley and we were the only black people there so my mom was really big on us um really being able to, to move in different in, in different arenas and my dad would drive us anywhere and we one time we were gonna live in kentucky because he would go different places for work but um I didn't. I didn't have an issue with it. I, I didn't have an issue with it at all. And then when I was in college, I did intern. I was in um, I, I was in Richmond. That was a um, capital of Virginia. So I was in. I interned at the uh, House and the Senate. So I was able to interact with all kinds of people. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a it was a cool transition because I was exposed to certain. And it things was Virginia was State. Virginia Union.
0: Virginia, Virginia Union, Union South mm-hmm. Carolina State, what, and then Tennessee State. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: But what was what was your transition like from? Uh, South Carolina State to... You went to... I mean, Pitt, the University hit, of Pittsburgh. The University of Pittsburgh, yeah, yeah. But I
2: was fortunate because when I was in South Carolina State, I also did three summers of summer stock Theater in Xenia, Ohio. Mm. Oh, okay. gosh. So that, I'm about 1% wow. of, a, of a, you know, 60 cast members over the summer, and most of them are predominantly white. So oh. I, I was at HBCU at the same time getting acclimated to working around predominantly white scenario. Mm which I value that because it helped me going into the University of Pittsburgh. Well, that because, was not my experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was because different. The thing, the, you know, the, thing, the thing I say, you know, diversify your network as soon as possible. Uh, yeah. Because the, the, the intangible thing is our blackness. Yeah. And our blackness mm-hmm. is feared a lot. And sometimes we can be too black too strong. And if you don't know how to navigate your blackness where people fear it naturally... Then you 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 run into scenarios where you you might you know uh, they might not respond positively. Mm-hmm. So it's it's you know it's one of those things where you know you know your, your parents had to pick up the phone and put the voice on. Mm-hmm. You know what I <laughs> mean? We're so still bitch. playing the same game. We're still talk. playing the same yes. game. So you know At some point, we couldn't walk around with dreads without being being shunned a label something that we're, we're not. Crazy. You know what I mean? So yeah, still. will talk so, about that uh, later, so uh, later. in the week. So the thing about HBCUs, HBCUs build a lot of pride. You know, you get, you get a sense of who you are. You get a sense of your culture. Yeah. But then you not, you go into the real world and it's like, you're going to fight to prove that? Mm. Or you're going to understand that that's who you are. You ain't got to fight to prove that all the time. And I can be, I can be amongst mm-hmm. my others and be okay and not have to always have my dupes up. What and else? that was yeah. my issue. Also, mm. it's
1: diversifying your networking possibilities. Mm-hmm. Because I remember getting a gig as a writer because... A, a a a white friend of mine had a friend ask them, "Do you know any black writers?" I don't know any. Mm-hmm. And they the one black writer they knew was me. My one black <laughs> friend. My one black friend. <laughs> you know what I mean, right. so it worked in almost reverse sometimes. Yeah. If you just open up your your circle and and, and make relationships with all kinds of people mm-hmm. because sometimes you'll you'll be the one they, they need. Yeah.
0: Right, and you know, because I I did not go to a HBCU. I went to the PWI. I, mean, I yeah. did. I went to uh, Mississippi State and. The benefit for me of going to Mississippi State was that it really... Because I grew up in rural Mississippi and I went to an all-black you know school from kindergarten, all, well, Head Start, all the way to grade 12, was that it really taught me uh, different cultures and how to thrive in a different type of environment to where I would not... Mississippi Mississippi's a very oppressive place and it was exceptionally oppressive for me growing up, but it, it taught me how to learn balance, but also not to in any way ever lessen myself for others. But I would recommend, I recommend to many young people that they do attend HBCUs because when you are young, black, and gifted... And you go to a historically black college, you tend to be among the best of your people. And other people just like you are going to care about you in a way that others will not. Yeah. And they're going to lift you up and they're going to give you opportunities and make sure you take advantage of those opportunities in ways that other people at a PWI will not. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I did well at Mississippi State. I made a lot of opportunity for myself at Mississippi State, but it was an opportunity I made for myself. Mm-hmm. I can't think of many adults who took any interest in helping me be better or helping me get opportunity at that university where HBCUs and my friends who went to HBCUs always can think of that mentor, that professor, that person that looked out for them. Mm-hmm. Missy said there was no one looking out for me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't there, And that's I mean, unfortunate, but so. it's a reality. But Tracy
1: about. was it's trying to make a point. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I think we got oh, no. I, all I was going to say was that wasn't my experience. Okay. I was the angry black female as soon as I got to the theater school at DePaul University because mm-hmm. I was like, well, what do you mean we, we don't do black theater? Where are the black professors? Like, we only had one. So it was a huge culture shock for me. So mm-hmm. I was always walking around angry because I didn't want to do Miss Julie. I didn't want to do uh, Three Sisters mm-hmm. instead of Three Sisters. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wanted right. to do you know, I wanted to do those August was hell. I thought Tennessee Williams Two Story was a black man. Oh, really? Yes. Until I got to <laughs> DePaul, right. I wanted to do black theater. So when I graduated, thank God I graduated DePaul, and. Found Congo Square. I was like, I'm back at my HBCU again. I can do theater for us, by us, from the African diasporic experience. I missed that, so it was an adjustment." The
2: other thing too, I was just to just piggyback on what you were saying about um, the benefits of going to HBCU is that uh, most it removes for me it removes that that quota. Mm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You're not a quota mm. at an HBCU. You're part of the family that the student body, but you go you go to the one of the, the, the you know the other schools, and all of a sudden you don't realize that you just want the numbers that they need mm-hmm. for their benefit, mm-hmm. and so the attention and the focus is not the same to get that mm-hmm. diversity scholarship or grant. Mm. That they need for that program or to
1: be shot for their catalog oh my god
0: (laughs) (laughs) you're the one person on the catalog they'll they'll
1: put all the black people on the front and you get (laughs) to the school you like it's only three of (laughs) you (laughs) the three from the catalog (laughs) i have a mentee who's dealing with that at the university of washington Mm. she Mm. is one of three and i was like girl you can only do two plays really Mm -hmm. home (laughs) <laughs> and that has three characters or the mountaintop where that's two. Oh and the other person can be the stage manager. <laughs> it's just not enough mm, for her to do. So she's got to create. Like you said, she's got mm-hmm. to create her own one-woman show. She's got it that is for her mm-hmm. and by her. So she can show them I'm more than what you all are trying to
0: make me be mm-hmm. or put me in this box. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one thing you talked about, you know, you're from... New York Are you still in Brooklyn you still live there The Bronx the Bro- You still live in the Bronx Uh huh so no, where, where do you live now
1: Well um, I spent the last Like 15 years In California Okay So my base is there But I come back and forth Between California New York And now Atlanta Family
0: You still have family In New York Yes So Does Michael Bloomberg Have any chance In hell Of being the next president Of the United States Of America Absolutely not Tell us why He's Ooh. Hmm. Ooh.
1: He has a lot of bones mm. that will be dug up okay. from his history as mayor. He was a good Beyond a Stop point. and Frisk. Yes, beyond Stop and Frisk. Um, and then you know, I want to this can I just be totally, totally No, that's the whole that's the point. Totally as we
0: move into the news of the day, our Monday topics, we want you to be
1: this this is a this just thing in general. To be honest, for this country, it will be really hard for a Jewish person to mm. win the Bible belt for president. Oh, yeah.
0: Even now, even oh, in now, 20- after. okay.
1: Jesus, honey, Jesus. Still. The Obama, even they, would, the ones that were against Obama, they were like, he's a Christian, but he loves Jesus, so, so we'll vote mm-hmm. for him. It's really hard for someone. Mm-hmm. It would be hard for someone Jewish or Muslim to win to have a the, chance the presidency. The Bible Belt is strong. Yeah. So that's that's a really 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 hard. A lot of races to win a, a, Yeah. A lot a of yeah. I mean, yeah. Sad. Yeah, you know it. You know, I grew up in New York and I went to California, you know. So, like, um, even a lot of the Jewish holidays that are celebrated, <laughs> I don't know if they are in Chicago, but even they have it off in school. Other people in the country are like, what are these Jewish holidays? I don't know
0: anything so about So, neither, that. you feel like, you know, he wouldn't do well, you know, with his background in New York or just in general. Just in general.
1: Yeah.
0: So, coming from South Carolina, you yeah, know, yeah. South Carolina is going to be our third primary. It's mm-hmm. a huge... Issue of debate right now Do you feel as though uh, We have any Democratic Candidate Running Who will have a who, who has a strong chance Of doing well In South Carolina And then continuing forward I
2: don't You know South Carolina is a Die hard red state man. Mm-hmm. I don't know If it's ever been Democratically supported mm-hmm. uh, So you I got guys have like, strong Thurman brother I mean, So I mean Well the rest of the world has strong So uh, it, <laughs> it wasn't just specific <laughs> Who by the way You're right it's But You know what I mean uh, but yeah, so I, 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 you know, I think it's you know it's, it's, it's been a red state. I don't think it has any intentions not to be a red state. Uh, and in terms of of, of possibilities, you know, of, of the presidency, I think you know Barack did what we thought was impossible, at least in our generation, mm-hmm. with the timing of that. And I think that Trump turned the face of what's possible around because now it's a toss up for me. Yeah. It's like if Trump can get in there, out of the reality world no political background, I, no qualifications, then who's to say who can follow after? He opened the door that I think never should have been mm-hmm. open yeah. in terms of who can sit box. in that seat. Um, because now, you, I mean, if if Chris watts said, I want to be run for president, boom, who are we to say you don't qualify?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like he did in the movie. He made a movie about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Not to say, you, I ain't nothing against Chris, but just an example. Right. Not exactly. You know, anybody at this point Say, I want to run for president and and have a legit you know could legitimately do that because of you know we're looking at a president now, right? Who had no so out of the 50 democratic (laughs) uh, candidates,
1: (laughs) I just detour for a minute because I was a
0: history, yeah. Like,
1: it's like, and if you look, especially the history of this country, which is very in racism and holding black people down, Mm -hmm. every time black people make forward progress in this country, you look at it like text, like. Textbook in, mm-hmm. in in this country, the the um, white um, racist not mature, but like the supremacists have come to rise. Whether it was oh, after yeah. the Civil War and when we were got in Congress Reconstruction, happened, correct construction. Then you have um you have Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. You every time the KKK has started to rise again. So when the the pushback from Barack Obama and you see what happened in Charlottesville and all that yeah. all these people who live in hate and their fear, like the, that, that movie that was years ago, fear of a black planet yeah. The fear of a brown planet, the fastest growing population in this country is Latino, the next one is asian mm-hmm. oh and they coming back and they you know they're getting a, a good majority so it's like the, the country the look of the country is changing and they're scared yeah so they're living in fear so they look at trump as their savior, savior. yeah
0: to he is a the last savior of yeah not, you know and i will in this country i yes it is a white issue white nationalism but Also, in some ways, I think that people see Trump as a savior of the Republican Party, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Because the Republican Party refused to pivot, refused to embrace change, refused to open their doors and say, we want to be an inclusive party. And they're holding on to... Um, being, you know, a good old boy, white system, their time is going to pass.
1: When, when Mitt Romney ran against um, Obama, the there's the Republican Party started to split. They, yeah. did. they had different fractions and they was like, "Oh my God, we have to regroup. How are we going to do right. this? How are they going to do this?" And on um, a crazy thing is, Trump is the thing that brought them.
0: Trump together. is their response.
1: It's it's it's, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, I they think, lost their yeah. way. Mm-hmm. You know, i i want to believe in my heart that the party that made mitt romney the nominee a mormon that you know he that that, that those people are still there that there's still republicans out there that have decent hearts
1: well,
0: i want to believe well, that you right you in the
1: midterm election and when i watch so and i'm and, were yeah, able to flip. you're right didn't see it in and
0: and, and and some of the good yeah. people are stepping out they're just leaving mm-hmm. they're they're in you know well, last scary, week though. yeah
1: When you have some Republican allies Mm. for... For just for the country. For the who, right. who are stepping away because they don't they can't
0: handle it. They that just is get over. Prop, that's
1: yes. gonna and create and that's
0: why, you know, last week uh, she took a lot of heat. She always took a lot of heat. And you know, many people can't stand the person I'm about to bring on the podcast. <laughs> and my and listeners who listen will be shocked for Angela me to give Sanders. praise to who?
1: Angela
0: Stan. I am not giving praise uh, to Angela uh, Stan. Oh, they're gonna be <laughs> shocked for me to give praise to a, a Republican, but I'm giving praise to Megan McCain.
1: Oh, I, adore. No, I adore. I'm leaving. I adore. Leaving?
0: I wanna go you know, on record. I party. adore oh I adore Megan McCain. Are
1: you kidding you know me? I, I adore her. her I when I can't tell of everybody on that's right, I can't stand her.
0: When I watch the view, uh. she is the person on the show that I and most like,
1: her personality it. has nothing to do with what's coming out of her mouth.
0: Megyn McCain is fair. <laughs> no, she's and not. She, I'll tell you why. Because I watched the. She news said things. some ignorant stuff, what, but she's fair.
1: What happens is when 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 uh, Donald Trump Jr. and his girlfriend came on the show. I didn't Meg, see that episode. Maggie I was on McCain the road for was work. So nice and kind and asking them questions. She didn't cut them off. But when a Democrat. Oh, she don't let him finish. She raises her voice. It drives me. I'm like, oh no, Megan where's the same. But it's
0: a yeah. balance. It has to be a balance. Like, you got joy. Look at Whoopi. It's yes. a balance. Yes. And Megan provides a nice... It's really unbalanced. She's the only Republican on the show. Well,
1: it's funny because the other girl's supposed to be a Republican, but she's very moderate. She's yeah. she's very,
0: She's very. She's a fa- her family, like, she's a family yeah. member. Her of- dad. Yeah.
1: Was, was, um, was I, like, I
0: think that yeah. maybe she may not know as much as Megan. Megan actually is very Megan informed. Megan is—they know it all.
1: She thinks she knows mm. it all. I know a couple of those people that we are friends with.
0: Yeah, see this is, this is, this is the
1: point of the show because here it is. She that's represents right. a voice that is real and, that's and is out there. And it, and if they're going to really show have a show called The View, you you're supposed to have different points of view. Yeah. Spoken like a true producer. Yeah. And I, you need
0: that. I feel like you. So it, I said that and to the, say. The EP on his a and she's a friend of mine. Up. Oh, that's. I mean, I, I'm a fan. That's my number one. You know, talk show. Uh, and I also like you know I like Kelly Clarkson. I love her I know you you know Tracy does it Tracy watches Tamron Hall I'm just waiting no, for the ass to drop you watched <laughs> no, I it I watched. watched. Okay, she got she renewed got she got
1: renewed
0: miracle Christmas got, miracle because the show I'm a Wendy
1: Williams fan how so, <laughs> you doing so oh, it. never I'll
0: never watch an episode the way she did uh, Whitney I'll never watch it she Oh, she did Whitney no, some kind didn't. of the way. Oh,
1: back in 2000. She, oh, she did everybody that kind of way. She was, she was a very shock jock nasty yeah. I woman. I but Whitney but Wendy Wendy. ain't doing nothing. Get her off the these air. Get her, off, Get her off the air. Whatever. <laughs> she started it. Go, Whitney. That's why there's uh, something out there uh, for everybody. She's got to go.
0: So, so last sure. week, of course, win. we had the last Democratic primary debate of 2019. And on the debate, there were some highlights. Did anyone emerge Urge for anybody in this room, as a clear winner of the last Democratic debate,
1: I have said this before. Okay. I am not paying attention and it's bad. It's like, okay. I'm not paying attention to the Democrats until they narrow it down to two or three people. Well, you've, I- you've
0: lost two major players. Three To me, three key people were, you know, Kamala has left the race mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think you never liked Kamala, so Tracy's applauding it. <laughs> and sadly, Cory Booker and, and Julian Castro did not qualify right. to be on the debate. So. I was disappointed in that. So, the field is narrowing down. You only had Andrew, Andrew Yang, mm-hmm. Pete Buttigieg, uh, Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Amy Klobuchar, and then Tom uh, Steyer, or Steyer. Did anyone emerge? Right. I will I will say, I'll, I'll start us off and say that when I watch the debate, you know how I feel about Mayor Pete, mm-hmm. and I still... He has a long way to go to make reconciliation for his failure of the black people in South Bend, Indiana mm-hmm. to earn anything from me. But I will say his debate performance was hot, was very impressive. He did a great job.
1: It's very impressive. And I see why people like him. I think he does have a lot of um, core issues, that he's involved, especially with black people and, and, and his his certain people who donate to him. Mm-hmm. That's a big issue. But I mean, I'm just going to be real again. Um, it's going to be a really, 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 really hard um, sell to elect a gay man as president. You think a married right gay now. man right right now in this climate? Maybe twenty twenty okay. eight. We go back to the Bible Belt. Mm-hmm. There's still you know as much progress has happened. A lot of things and, and it come a long way with the um, LGBT. Q Q-I-A. Community. That's plus. That's A plus probably two
2: more here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Tracy said the element on P L-L-P. That, L-L-P. So that, that's a If L-L-P. you guys want to Tweet right. and attack you think, attack Tracy on that, well should we in the, the think
2: think really be a new alphabet? <laughs> it really <laughs> does. It, but It's
1: right. it in all actuality, people don't accept that. They they won't say it. They'll they'll be quiet about it because they don't mind. But that's very, very the, the Bible belt is so huge in this country. Those those middle, those flyover states, it it it's huge. And and they have a lot of voting power. And they go when Trump, they they saw the same way mm. they saw Democrats come out in numbers for Obama. They saw people get people being dug out of their grave to go, 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 go vote for Trump. Yeah. in and, 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 and precincts that had never seen numbers like that in like they 20, years, they went bananas. They went bananas and got out and voted for him. So it's, it's really strong. He he. It's you have. It, it, you know, you, you would think he wouldn't get reelected, but you cannot say you can't say yeah, no. No, you can't say nothing. This man said his three fifty seven magnum will say otherwise. if yes. This man does not get like if he gets impeached, people, if he people gets are losing right, their mind. gets removed from office. People removed. Are losing their mind. And so I am like afraid of what may happen if this man does not stay in office. It's unfortunate, but I'm not afraid. I'm I'm not afraid. If you
0: want to take your your 357 Magnum because you're mad that President Donald Trump gets impeached or doesn't get reelected, you take it and use it on yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> just joking. Uh, like he, won't, he, won't
1: be from he won't be removed from office. The the, the Senate majority Republicans will not let that happen. Uh, and
0: that point. takes us directly into our next news story of this week is that your president was impeached officially last week. But those who, you know, wanna, I'm one of those <laughs> applauders. And what were your thoughts on the impeachment of President Donald Trump? Third uh, president in United States history to be
2: to be impeached by the us House of Representatives you know for me I you know and, and I'm not one of those people that I don't live and breathe politics um, the madness of that um, but just on just looking at it on the surface um, my response was well well what benefit is there really is to this yeah. in the impeachment itself yeah um, if he can't get removed if he has not been removed from office then I don't know what it really means in terms of why why the impeachment in the first place mm-hmm. um, I don't see it I, and, I, and, and yeah. maybe may my ignorance in terms of the, the world of politics maybe there's something about that that I'm not aware of but looking at it on the surface it doesn't seem to make much difference to
0: me right it, it, so just the, the point of it you know giving you know I guess the Democratic, like Nancy's view, like what people are saying and what I firmly believe. Number one, when you look at President Bill Clinton, President Clinton was impeached for lying under oath, perjury. That's why they moved to impeachment because he said he did not have sexual relations with Monica Lewinsky and he clearly was a recipient of sexual relations. He was impeached for that, and that's something that has been, that's a genuine mark and stain against his presidency and his legacy in this country as our former president. Donald Trump has lied almost every single week he has been in office. Not only has he lied after taking an oath to uphold the Constitution of our nation and the values of our country, he also committed treason by partnering with foreign countries in the interests of our nation. Not only did he do that, he did exactly what President Nixon did that caused him to resign by seeking intelligence against an opponent to win an election. Mm-hmm. So what Donald Trump, Donald Trump has done, what two presidents who were impeached did, the only difference is that our Senate is not the Senate that sat in place in the 70s that, that would have removed Nixon. That those were men of higher moral standing Of a higher caliber who really believed in the oath they took to uphold the American democracy. Our current senators who are Republicans who are saying that they're going to be loyal to the president. They're not those kind of men. And that's the difference. What mm-hmm. Donald Trump, what President Trump did is to me worse than what Nixon did and it's significantly worse than what Clinton did. And I feel as though the House of Representatives led by Speaker Pelosi had no choice but to impeach him for the history of our nation so that future generations will know what he did and who we were as Americans at that time. And uh,
1: to piggyback on that, like again, going back to this... Uh politics in general um what had to happen why they did i think it was a symbolism too i totally agree with you because what it is is he came into the office and ran it like it was his business yeah ran it like it was his you know we could do whatever we went and there's a lot of bills he signed he's gone through that nobody even realized he's mm-hmm. changing things mm-hmm. and he he was drunk with power and he was running it like it was his own business so i think they had to slap him on hand like no you're being watched there's a reason why there's checks and balances. There's mm-hmm. a reason why the constitution and things were set up that way. So you don't think you are um, a king. You don't think that you the king you know, president. Uh, yeah, is that you're, you're a dictator. You're not. You have somebody to answer to. You have people you need to serve. You will be called on on your bullcrap. Mm-hmm. So I think it. They know he's not going to. Is the whole process going to go through? But I think it. It was a slap on the hand. Like you know what? You're being watched. You're not going to run over us. And um, we're watching you but and I don't even you know
2: up. You know for someone Who A pure A pure narcissist mm. I don't know if the message come It, it gets in It doesn't you matter You, you know what it? I mean it's So his even ego. if you say That's what I'm saying his Even ego. if you say You're being watched it, I think his response is Who cares
1: But now his, he has you a know know blemish I mean? Because his whole thing He's trying to Demolish the legacy of Obama Obama didn't do this Obama didn't do that But you know what hmm. Obama didn't get impeached
0: Say it again okay? it Say he it again Obama impeached. what he but but, but even that, his.
2: like, like the personality trait of Trump, I, I just don't believe that's effective. I understand. Yeah. I Such don't think nerd. that that's he something because anything, fight, anything he says, even hole. this, he will say. He doesn't so, think that he's right.
0: lying. He wants the American people to think that he's saying that for his for his followers who refuse to acknowledge the truth when it stares him in the face. Right. He he knows what he's done. He knows he knows what he's lying. He is not. Um, this man is not uh, suffering from absolute dementia. No, he he no. knows when he tells a lie.
1: But he's an he's He is an egomaniac. But and I'm he saying, I'm um, saying,
2: but continue to call this a witch hunt. You know, fake news. news. All that stuff is in line with. I'm not gonna be accountable for that. I'm not mm. receiving this. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm who I am, and this is this ego narcissism mm he has is so far out there it's extreme to me that I don't think that the slap on the wrist is effective is enough so with that being stated that really
0: concludes our Monday episode of the 3 Plus 1 podcast as we are approaching This is the eve of Christmas Eve We are so glad that you joined us Hopefully you may be on the road Checking us out You may be listening at home As you clean, cook, decorate Get ready for the holiday We can't wait for you to join us Tomorrow on Christmas Eve As we continue this week With our special guests So thank you so much for joining us And we can't wait to see you Or hear from you Or you hear from us rather On (laughs) tomorrow
1: Bye everybody